Speaking of making your own podcast, we got our first one star review. Yes, we did it. Please let us know if you gave us the one star. Yeah, tell us why, because you literally just gave us one star. I wanted to hear some shit talking. When you do a one star and no writing, it makes me just think you did it because you hate us, not because you actually listen. You already went out of your way to say we suck. Like, just give (laughs) us the full tea. Welcome back to the Shaking Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your host, Eric and BB. Today we're going to be talking about the 2015 movie, The Witch, directed by Robert Eggers. But before we get into that, how are you, BB? I'm sad. Sad. Halloween's over. Spooky yeah. season's over. But I'm excited because I, I really like this movie. Halloween's not over. We are a horror podcast, so we get to do this all enjoy year. it all year. Yeah. <laughs> Even for the holidays. I was thinking about how Christmas is coming around or whatever holiday you celebrate. And In how still horror for that. Yeah, because we found a lot of Christmas-related horror movies to cover next month. I don't know. Maybe people get Christmased out. For Thanksgiving, it's any movie with a horror dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> this month's going to be fun. We got new mics. If you've noticed, we sound possibly a little bit better. Who knows? After I, I hope this. we do. We don't sound better in terms of sounding smarter but we do sound better in terms of sounding sexy in your ears. We're also going to check out The Eternals, non-horror. I'm excited for that. Saw a lot of people giving it a bad rep. And honestly, just let us enjoy the movie. I hate when media comes out and is like, this movie's rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. And the movie hasn't even come out for two weeks yet. It's like, dude, just let us watch the movie and enjoy it. Yeah. I've heard that people are purposely trying to make this movie fail to prove that inclusivity doesn't sell. Those people need to Need to stop. stop. Leave this planet. Go be <laughs> uninclusive somewhere else. So what do you got for creepy content? Oh my god, we have so much. Just for some context, we bought tickets to the Salem Horror Fest virtual this year, which is awesome because it gives us a chance to watch the movies. We binge them in like a day and a half. (laughs) So do you want to read off the names and we kind of just give our opinion? Sure. The first one was Two Witches. Interesting. I was a little confused. That one... We're old and we couldn't put on subtitles for it. So it was a little difficult to hear some of the dialogue and what was going on. I was confused. It makes you think like, this is the main character and this is who we're going to follow along the way. There's like a coven at the end. Mm -hmm. So it's not really two witches after that. I believe so. Again, I couldn't hear. The next one was, what happens next will scare you. What did you think of that? That one was fun. It was definitely campy. It's centered around cursed YouTube videos coming to life. Acting was all right, but I think it was just a fun idea. There was one that had audio and I thought it was like actual audio we have listened to podcasts before where they play actual 911 calls and it's disturbing. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was that. But yeah, once the characters started to come into the forefront, I was like, oh, this is just for fun. Death Cast. What'd you think of that one? I didn't love that one. It had a premise that I feel was trying to be very Cabin in the Woods, but Cabin in the Woods already did it and did it better. The movie does well to be like, well, everything was going to hit the fan the moment someone the actually first one died. died. When one of them has an arrow in them, <laughs> the cast is like, I think the script says we're supposed to leave it in. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy's like blowing blood out of his mouth. The next one is apps. What'd you think of that? I liked it a lot. It was an anthology. There was like one, the frequency one, that I kind of did not get that much. But the rest of them I thought were that fine line between horror comedy and horror, except for the one where they end up in like a hillbilly sacrificing town. That one's just straight gore. Oh, yeah. The movie is from Chile, looks like. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's probably, if you heard our last episode from Dia de los Muertos, what well, I would have expected from that other film. That so, other film, yeah. yes. <laughs> Next is Alone With You. This is the one with the girl in the apartment. Barbara Crampton's in it. She plays the mother. The story's like really good. It keeps you guessing like what's happening here. My only critique again, I felt like they dragged on a little bit to 
end it because the premise is basically that she's trapped in her apartment. You can only do so many scares in that setting They've before been, you're like, okay, what's the end going to be here? They might a cat. There was some creepy stuff. The girlfriend is supposed to be like an artist, so she has mannequins that are covered by white sheets ready for the shorts. The first one we saw was Fire on the Mountain. That was all right. I was a little confused by the premise. A girl's in the forest, sacrifices herself, and the beast comes out. And you don't know if she's the beast or not. Marked. So that was the one with the tattoo. You said you didn't like it? Because I wouldn't really consider it horror. Okay, there was like some body horror for sure, but it seemed more like thriller, action movie. The premise is just that both of them are old spies. I don't know if Russia. I think they're Russian gangsters. The guy's getting tattooed and turns out the guy who's tattooing knows his history. He's like, you killed my son and, you know. Gets revenge. Yeah. So <laughs> Koreatown ghost stories. What did you think? It was interesting. I liked it up until the end where it implies she was essayed by the ghost and now the ghost was under her control because of that. Yeah, that part was, it was weird. Uh, the mom on. brought back her son from the dead. It implies that she did some sort of witchcraft to bring him back. They're very wealthy. She has cancer and is about to die, so she needs someone to carry on taking care of her zombie son and her fortune. It ends up being this young woman who their parents years ago before the son passed away had kind of discussed arranging their marriage, so she kind of it just like forces her to accept it. We saw quite a few of these films deal with sexual assault and I just don't like that that's part of horror. You know, like something about it that I could analyze. Maybe we'll talk about it in another show. Do you think it's sort of like an easy cop out to be it like... It kind of is. This is probably not scary, but you know what? We'll make it scary. Sexual assault. Yeah, it's kind of like the same trope that Game of Thrones has. If you look at the three women that survived till the end of Game of Thrones, they were all sexually assaulted and it's a lazy way of saying this is why they're powerful because they're seeking revenge. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm looking too much into was it. Was Arya? No, Arya was not. Okay. Okay. Don't get me wrong, it's a horrifying thing, but I don't think in the sense that horror movies are a horrifying thing, you know? Yeah. The last one, Guts. Guts was hilarious and gross. It's like The Office with horror. Yeah. It's just very campy and funny, but gross. Like, the effects are gross. <laughs> I wish we had more time to watch more of them because there was a couple full-length films that we wanted to get to. The one that was called Verified with the girl that has half of her face kind of... Yeah, that one I really wanted to watch. Who knows if they'll be released later on. Next year, we'll probably plan this a little better. Yeah, and go in person. That'd be fun. Like we said last week, we did join our friends over at Nightmare on Fear Street to watch Vampires vs. the Bronx. We won't talk about it here. You can go to the link in the show notes. But check it out. Yeah, the movie was really fun. We will say that. We really liked that movie. Yeah. What comfort content do you have? Nothing. Nothing? No. Oh, not even that it's almost Christmas. I like Christmas, but I don't like how stressful Christmas is. Like, at least with Halloween, there's no, like, pressure. <laughs> there's a lot of family politics in Christmas. I'm not looking forward to that. But you really like Christmas. Well... If the whole rest of the year is depressing, we might as well be happy for a second. My family and I were always in the habit of listening to the Christmas music for most of November and December. The music here locally started on the 6th, which is yesterday. There's some depressing Christmas music. There is. You're talking about like the Soldier Silent Night. That story used to make me cry. Sometimes That's if you just sit depressing. there and listen to it, it's like, oh my God, this is really sad. I'm not even a military person. I can't imagine for someone who is in the military. But you have started playing it in the house. It's been one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's fun. It's comfort. Gotta be happy a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Gotta stay humble. Can't get too happy now. No. Okay, so from comfort content to alcoholic comfort. <laughs> this is a pretty comfy looking drink. It is definitely a cozy drink. We're gonna call this one the Black Phillip. Our thought process was what's probably a drink that was had during those times. We figured wine. Wine was probably around since the dawn of time because apples play a big part in this. We added apple moonshine, but there's definitely apple brandy and apple whiskey that you could add to this. It's a mauled wine. I feel like there's a ton of recipes out there. So whatever 
whatever you like or don't like in mold wine, you can kind of customize to make it your own. We got this little like pre-packaged thing to make it easy on ourselves, but I don't even know if we're going to like it. The so, pre-packaged stuff is just spices though, right? It's just the spices. We were going to add activated charcoal. We still might, but our drink actually came out very dark already. And just a warning, if you do add activated charcoal to your drink, it is safe to ingest, but it is something that gets rid of toxins in your body. So if you're taking a certain medication, it might not make it work as well. So do your research or just get a very, very dark wine and you'll be good. If you want to give it a sip. It is already cold. It was steaming. Before I'm sure when it's nice and hot, it's pretty comforting. It tastes really good. Your choice of wine for this is also going to be important. If you like a sweeter drink, get a sweeter wine. If you don't like certain spices, take them out. You could really make this to your liking. What would you rate it? I would rate it a 375. Yeah, I think if we had drank this warm, I would give it a four, but I'll do 3.5. Well, we also have another drink. We do. So this is actually created by one of my good friends. His name is George. He's got different varieties. They're called George of the Jungle. He's known for making good jungle juice, so he basically put it in the form of a bottle. He's got a green one, which is called Ocean Berry Breeze, a red one called Sunset Cherry. He's also got a harvest one called Autumn Punch. We have all three here. We'll put the links in the show notes. He's got socials if you're interested in trying it too. Reach out to him. Reach out to him. You want to start? Sure. This looks like Christmas actually. It does. So which one first? I guess we could do the fall one first. Cheers. Cheers. I like this. Tastes apple cidery. Yeah, I like it. This episode is sponsored by George of the Jungle. (laughs) We'll probably bring him on in the future. We had talked about doing Predator because it's a jungle drink. All right, green one. Ooh, this one smells. This is a really good summer one. That's probably why it's called Ocean Berry Breeze. (laughs) Oh, it's pretty good. I can imagine sitting on a beach drinking this at a barbecue this is good now we also don't know how potent these are this is like a blind taste test <laughs> now we've got the red one which is the sunset cherry that one's very punchy i'd say something else in there mm, yeah because i'm like, like coconut right? like hawaiian punch but something else okay rating them i think i'm gonna put them in order of my favorite to least favorite not to say that it's not good they're all pretty good i'm gonna give the fall drink my first place the ocean berry breeze second place and then third place cherry just because i don't like cherry a lot in general okay. it's still good my order is exactly the same <laughs> okay it was literally the order in which we tried them too so. yeah he knew his audience because he's like these bitches are gonna love the fall one because he gave us two of the fall ones <laughs> and just one of the other ones. <laughs> this is pretty good for a party if you don't want to make the cocktails and just have it ready yeah no i like it george of the jungle so check it out again we're gonna link it in the show notes are you ready for fun packs yeah i'm excited okay robert eggers did his best to be as accurate as possible as the writing at the end of the film suggests the name of the film with two v's comes directly from a document from the witch trials of the puritan era specifically of the winthrop era several lines of dialogue including the conversation with black philip or satan at the end came directly from texts from that time eggers was even upset that you could see anya taylor joy's earring holes damn i did hear that this film is insanely accurate and everything he's really immersive as a director (laughs) apparently I did not even notice her earring holes, so no. It's not the one thing you're paying attention to when she's getting attacked by her mother. Absolutely not. But... A lot of the set was even made from scratch to give an additional level of authenticity, having a carpenter and thatcher flown in to make everything historically accurate. Do you know what a thatcher is? Because I didn't. Is it like a roof thing? Yeah. How'd you know? I don't know. It's so smart. They were flown in from the East Coast, although the movie is supposed to take place in old school New England. Because of budget constraints, they ended up moving to somewhere in Canada. I would have believed it if someone said this was filmed in New England. It may be difficult to understand the dialect for some audiences, even if you are an English speaker. The characters speak Jacobian English with... Yorkshire accents. The family was originally written to be from Sussex, 
But because Eggers liked Ralph Innocent's Yorkshire accent, he changed the story. Ralph Innocent is the father, mm-hmm. William. Some of the creepy themes of the film are based on old stories. It was believed that witches could shapeshift into hares, so it's possible the hare was one of the witches keeping tabs on the family. That makes sense. Witches were believed to make flying sticks, not brooms, using different brews. In the film, the entrails of an unbaptized baby are rubbed around a witch's body and a stick, so it's possible she was using this to help her fly. I wondered why she was rubbing it on the stick and what it had to do with the ritual. Also, at the end, they flow on sticks like brooms. The one question I have, and this is in general, if you're a listener and you know, I was thinking he could have done all the research in the world, but how much of it was actually accurate? Because when I was doing fun fact research, I saw a lot of hate for the movie revolving around, well, he doesn't really depict witches the way that they're supposed to be depicted. What we've seen in the past with films talking about a legend like La Llorona, we watched the film and supposedly they did all the research they could. We came to find out that they actually didn't really do that well. So, you know, how accurate is it really? I think historically, it sounds like they did a lot of research. And I think we're supposed to watch this through the lens of, that time period where witches were prosecuted so it didn't matter if they were actually cavorting with satan or not it's what people believed it to be at the time it was like reality and magic were the same i didn't know this because i didn't see any script on it in the movie but it's supposed to take place in the 1630s which is about 60 years before the salem witch trials even happened so they were ahead of the times he also used a lot of salem witch trial documentation there was other trials before the salem witch trial going on like in england and Mm -hmm. things like that right yeah in Europe. Do not quote Obviously, me. Europe was a lot worse with the witch trials, but... <laughs> I think this film takes, like, two watches to truly appreciate it. We watched it back in 2015 when it first came out. I did like it. I was, you know, at the end, like, good for her. The ending really, like, makes this film worth the watch, I think. But watching it a couple years later, understanding a little more of the themes, I'm like, oh, I see what the director's doing on our way to that ending. This time, reading a lot of the dialogue, you're like, oh... There were so many intertwined things that were said. There were so many issues going on. Matter to watch is worth the while for this movie. Especially because of the Jacobian English. Yeah, it does take you a minute. Again, we watched it with subtitles because we're old. This time around, it wasn't that hard to understand. The first time I was like, what is he even saying? I don't even know. Yeah, he has a super thick accent. No offense to the people who speak with Yorkshire accents. English is my second language, so <laughs> can't even understand regular English, yeah. let alone Fancy English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is time for our speed run. It is. Ready? Yeah. So we start off with this family that is on trial. It looks like there is a plantation and the family is on trial because the the father named William has he's like sinned by being prideful like prideful conceit is what they call it so they get banished they go out to the middle of nowhere find a forest they build a farm they start trying to live on their own they're having trouble the the they have several kids Thomason, who is the main character, is getting blamed for a lot of things going wrong. Like the crops aren't growing. The kid is starting to like notice that she's got boobs, and he's really weird and awkward. Um, the 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 younger sister and brother are like Hansel and Gretel, and are really annoying. They got a black goat named Black Philip, and they like whisper and they like say things that he tells them. And so little by little, uh, things start to happen. Like uh, Thomason is playing with their little brother Sam, which is a baby. Sam gets taken. That's what kicks off all the trouble. There's witches in the forest. There's a lot of like confusion on whether witches actually exist or not. At the end, the whole family gets killed because of Black Phillip, allegedly. And Thomason thinks it's not real. She talks to Black Phillip. Black Phillip's like, you want to live deliciously? He, she's like, yeah. Oh, I'm so, I was like, you were so close. Oh, 
You're doing so well, too. Oh, no. Oh, I thought you were going to make it. Well, shots. Did you do this on purpose? No. Because you wanted to drink more jungle juice. <laughs> well, it is Georgia the jungle, and although this isn't a jungle, it's a forest, it's... and it's kind of on brand. I mean, when you <laughs> say it like that, not really. But... <laughs> What's the difference between a jungle and a forest? One's tropical? Yeah, I feel like cold. you just, like, sent me flashing back to, like, grammar school when they'd teach you, like, all the temperature zones and what they were. <laughs> Everything closer to the equator is hotter and wet. That's for some it. reason. You chose green for us? Yeah, just because we've been drinking the autumn one. Okay. But what's the brief? What does the internet say this movie What about? does the internet say about this movie? In 1630 New England, panic and despair envelops a farmer and his wife and their children when their youngest son, Samuel, suddenly vanishes. The family blames Thomason, the oldest daughter, who was watching the boy at the time of his disappearance. With suspicion and paranoia mounting, twin siblings Mercy and Jonas suspect Thomason of witchcraft, testing the clan's faith, loyalty, and love to one another. I don't know if that's a great review. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, it, it misses a lot. <laughs> it, it focuses a lot on the family dynamics here. Did it even say there was witches? They did say they accused Thomason of witchcraft. Also, IMDb gives this movie a 6.9 out of 10. Again, take it with what you will, but it's got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's good. I saw a lot of hate articles. Some people were upset the movie still depicted witches as bad and didn't dive into their point of view, but I it's a horror movie. Yeah, I don't think that's the point of this movie. It's looking at it through a historic lens. Historically, this is how we viewed witches. Well, are you ready to dive in to I've, the forest? Yes, the I've woods. got so much opinions. Not in a bad way because <laughs> we've had people who say when they listen to the pod and they hear me say I have opinions that it automatically assumes. You hate it? I hate it. But no, I actually really love this movie. I like the fact that we know why it was with two Vs. I used to call this movie The Vitch. The Vitch. Like, oh, wow, it's The Vitch. Because in, uh, I think, Germany, sometimes W is pronounced with a V sound. So mm -hmm. I was like, is it like something like that? Like a German folklore? Yeah. No, it's a New England folktale. So we dive right in with a family on trial. This is due to the fact that the father is very prideful and believes he knows more about the word of God than the church in the community. He's on trial and he's condemning them. He's not even letting them speak. And he's so prideful that he gets the family banished from the community. Isn't that so insane? In this time, it was like the father was boss and guided where the family went. You imagine being the kid and being like, yo, dad, shut up, bro. Like, we're good here. Why are you doing this? No. Which is very much the face that Thomason has because she's the last one to leave the courthouse. She's like super hesitant. She's like, I don't think that's a good idea. It's strange that this is a time where you could be too religious and even that's bad. I don't think it's that he's too religious. He thinks he knows more than the church. And that is definitely a sin. Because it's a Puritan era and they were all about what does the word of God say? Although he's prideful, he does know a lot about the scriptures. Why would that be bad? Because you think you know more than the priest who is supposed to be the word of God. This is me just being ignorant. Are Puritans still a thing? Like, yes. are there still Puritans today? I believe so. I think it's kind of like a lot of religions where they branch off and have different sectors now and they're called different things, but they still, like, at the core exist. Yeah. Okay. Because I read an article and it was just like, Puritans are like, Christmas is too fun. Get rid of it. And I was like, are Puritans still around to get upset about this? It sounds offensive <laughs> to be like, they just don't like fun. We talk about the Puritan era, like, that you're gone now. Man, this really just shows how ignorant we are to history. <laughs> and even the Winthrop era, it said specifically that these documents that were pulled for this film were from the Winthrop era. There was a man, John Winthrop was an early Puritan leader whose vision for a godly commonwealth created the basis for an established religion that remained in place in Massachusetts until well after adoption of the First Amendment. This comes 
from infinitekitchen.com. Not a name of a website, I would have thought. For religion. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. But yeah, anyway, those are my questions. The first watch around, I was kind of like, why the fuck are they even on trial? It seems also like a really weird thing to get banished from a town now, today. I don't know if that. people even get banished from towns today. Oh, you can get banished, okay. Ostracized. You get banished from restaurants? Yeah, but that's because the restaurants are racist. You get banished from Uber? There's like user? Yeah, if you throw rating. up a lot. Have you been banished from Uber? Not yet. You throw up a lot. I do, but oh. I save it for my own home. <laughs> but I like the musical scores in this film because the ear music definitely adds to the vibe. They're leaving and they ride their wagon off out into the forest and the music's like, Whoa! a lot of chorus eerie music. I also really like the color scheme of this movie. It is gray. It is drab. It is the exact vibe. Fun fact, they use a lot of natural lighting for this film. Nice. It is filmed out quite a lot. The family does eventually find a land to settle on. The next scene is them praying over this land and thanking God for what they've found. And it cuts to then a scene where the entire farmhouse is already built. So we know that time has passed. It's been about a year. I pictured this being very difficult at the time. These kids are not that old. And if William built this all by himself. Sure, they helped out with like the little things they could, but they have like a hut, a farm, a fence. They have a lot going on. The crops. I, on I don't think that the kids did not help. I think they would make the kids do like everything. I yeah. think that's why you had shorter, harder lives. It's intense. I was even thinking that the witches did Thomas in a favor. Her whole family's dead. What was she going to do? Manage the farm by herself? Exactly. Good for her <laughs> yeah. film. She would have died. I don't like how they treat Thomason. I don't think anyone does. The next scene we get is Thomason confessing to being a sinner and asking for the mercy of God. This is an interesting scene because she is the only one that we see try to have like a genuine relationship to God and truly believe herself to be a sinner and ask for mercy. The father believes he knows everything. The mother's role later on is just to be consumed with grief and she has lost faith. And the brother is kind of... Trying to figure out where he sits. Yeah. So I would say like possibly in terms of faith, she was the only true one, which only makes what happens to her at the end of the film more interesting. The part that I think is interesting from her prayer is asking for forgiveness and to be shown the light. Whether there's any truth to the fact that Satan was there or not, maybe God didn't answer and Satan did. Yep. We also find out that the family has had a new baby. Don't know if the mother left pregnant already or in the year that they were there, she just gave birth to the new son called Sam. Catherine is the name of the mother, played by the actress in Game of Thrones. Kate Dickey also plays Liza Aaron in Game of Thrones. She has just had this new baby and hands the baby over to Thomason to take care of while she goes on and does her duties on the farm. Thomason takes her out to the brook, is playing peekaboo with Sam. Robert Eggers had originally planned on the movie starting here. Mm. Like this was going to kick off the movie, but he wanted to add more narrative to the family, so he ended up changing it. I would say this would have been a very effective way to start a horror movie because you're like, who are these people? What's going on? Oh my God, they just lost their baby. Why are they in the woods by themselves though? Like I would mm -hmm. have been really involved before the story even began. It's not like that much more was added to the beginning anyway. It's definitely self-explanatory later on. But then we don't get that eerie score of them leaving the town. Yeah, going into the unknown, which is also scary, I guess, especially at this time. Oh my God. I'm afraid of our area at night. You don't know what's in the woods. We get coyotes and deer here. I can't imagine that time period. Here, at least, there's like tons of neighbors around and streetlights. We get coyotes and deer, but we've also seen people out in the middle of the woods with flashlights and cutting something. Yeah, if we ever go missing. Yeah. <laughs> Check the woods behind our home thoroughly. Is a toilet out there for some reason? The baby's missing, and obviously Thomason is like, what the actual hell? She sees a little bit of brush moving, and she runs into the forest to follow. But 
the audience gets to see what actually happened to him. It was a witch that took Samuel. She has him set up on the table. And while at first it kind of looks like she just stole him and is not harming him, just kind of caressing him, the next scene is her taking out a knife and gutting this baby. Now, we don't see that happening because it cuts and the next scene we get is the older witch rubbing blood all over herself. She's using a morcajete to... Mortar and pestle, I believe. It's called in English. <laughs> yeah. But for us, it's morcajete. <laughs> <laughs> She's like making some unbaptized baby brew. Trigger warning if this is not like your thing. It's but... actually not very graphic in the film. But it's all like implied. Even just talking about it sounds It sounds like way horrible, worse yeah. <laughs> than it looked in the movie. You don't ever actually see the baby being hurt. You just see the woman bathing herself in blood. Immediately after this, we're not sure if it's the day after, but you hear Krang in the background. Caleb wakes up. Before waking his sister up because she's obviously having a nightmare, he stares at her boobs. This theme has prominence in the movie because it's to imply that Thomason is growing into womanhood and is creating temptation within the family. It is your fault for being a temptation, not the pervy brother for being a per. They blame her a lot in this film. This film could almost be seen as a coming of age story because as Thomason's becoming a woman, everyone is afraid of her. And I think that theme goes really well with witches because one thing that people fear about witches is that they are sexually liberated and nothing was more threatening to the household than a woman that is free. Free. Ridiculous, man. I mean, people still think this way sometimes. They do. If you do, stop. Stop it. Stop it. Grow up. Thomason is having a nightmare. Caleb wakes her up and is like, hey, chill. You're fine. William takes him out to the woods and they have a conversation about religion. Caleb is reciting his prayer to prove that he knows the word of God. Caleb has doubts on his faith. He's like, Sam was a baby. Where did Sam go? And William's like, Sam probably did something to disrespect God's kingdom. That's a baby. That's a fucking baby. It's a fucking baby. Caleb's also like, is Sam in hell then? Will I go? How do you know? How do we know? Mm -hmm. And William's like, only God knows. Obviously, he did it for a reason, so there's no reason to be upset about it. So sad to think that people thought this way. It's like, yeah, my baby's gone now, but whatever, because he probably did some shit to offend God. Like, what the hell did a baby do, dude? And I think this also just plays on Will's character of being so, I understand God and whatever has happened is because it's what God wants because he does not grieve visibly for this kid the way that Catherine, who is crying the whole time, grieves for her child. It also very much traumatizes Caleb because his whole story from then on is he is very worried about like damnation for his soul. And you see that even play in his death scene. I think that Will's take though is very reminiscent of the time. When he later talks to Kate, he does say, look, we've never lost a kid before. Just super rare in those times. Mm -hmm. Just the Take fact it. that she survived giving birth to twins is amazing. Oh my God, yeah. Hansel and Gretel, they're the fucking worst. I, they're so annoying. Mercy and Jonas. Are the worst. If I just keep calling them Hansel and Gretel, it's because they're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> As William takes Caleb into the woods to teach him to hunt... Caleb questions where he got this hunting equipment from. Will confesses that he sold Catherine's silver cup, which becomes a theme later on. Given to her by her father. Yeah, it's kind of like the only thing she has inherited from her parents. You assumed she was given away? Is that what's implied here? Because they keep talking about Thomas and like, we have to give her to a family. Was Kate given to William? That's... 
how they treated women. It was once you got to a certain age, you had to be given up for marriage because they didn't want to support you anymore. You're not a man. You can't work on the farm. We must sell you off in marriage. Because you're tempting our younger son. Yeah, it's weird. There's also things about dowries where like you pay for someone to take your daughter. So I don't know exactly where this lies. Dowries? What's that? This was probably with the wealthy noble men. I don't know how it worked with common people. It was like you married a girl, but she had to have something... How can I explain this? It's kind of like insurance (laughs) because a woman's useless. She can't work. She can't provide anything to your household except maybe sons that can eventually work. So we need to give you like an incentive to want to marry her. So you say as a bachelor could have been like, oh, this woman is being offered to me for $5,000 to support her for a couple of years. But this one's being offered to me for $10,000 to support her for a couple of years till she gives me sons. This one was given to me because she knows how to make really good pasta. And that's it. That's the only reason you, <laughs> you bought it. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's just really taking everything I got. And she keeps asking for more pets. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That's where he got the traps to hunt. He also has not told his wife that he has stolen her cup. And he says that once they have hunted enough, he will let her know. Kind of like a good news, bad news situation, which does not work in his favor. Caleb, before they go into the forest, kind of protests like, yo, I thought we weren't able to go into the forest. William's like, look, man, the crops are not growing. We need something to help us get through this winter. Thomason goes to the hen house, tries to get an egg. There's only one. Walks away and clumsily drops it. And there's like a half-grown chicken there, super bloodied. And Thomasin is like, oh my God. This is just to further emphasize that the farm is just not doing well. Mm. Like something the family later believes to be supernatural is causing all this mayhem, I guess you could call it. (laughs) This happens at the same time that William and Caleb are still out in the forest. They have their dog Fowler who is helping them hunt, but starts to bark and Fowler chases after this rabbit and the rabbit's just staring creepily. Oh my God, I've never thought rabbits were this creepy. But this one, I don't know, maybe they they were like, let's get the creepiest rabbit we can find. Its eyes are like diverted. (laughs) Yeah, it has super creepy eyes. I think that's why it looks a little demonic. This rabbit is literally taunting this family. But Fowler goes crazy, obviously alerting them that there's a rabbit. William tries to load his gun. Old muskets, they had to get packed with gunpowder and stuff. This feels like he already took too long, but also it backfires and shoots gunpowder towards his eye. This is a theme throughout the rest of the film. While the family believes they are cursed, William's very incompetent at being a farmer. I don't know. He built this whole place with the help of the family. I'd say he's not that incompetent. But he can't get the crops to grow, which is something that Thomason later throws in his face when he's accusing her of being a witch. When William drops, Fowler runs up to him and starts trying to play with him. He's like, ah, Fowler, get away from me. Yeah, who knows if that was scripted or the dog was like, oh, we're playing now? I was like, Loki would totally think that I'm playing because that's what he does when I drop on the floor. When we first got him, I like, I rolled my ankle all the fucking time, but I rolled my ankle like really bad and he was thinking I was playing on the ground (laughs) outside. And you were doing the Peter Griffin... Yeah, Yeah. it was a whole show. (laughs) But we get introduced to Jonas and Mercy's beautiful song about Black Phillip, chasing him around the farm, singing a song. They literally say in the song, we serve Black Phillip. These children straight up say their intentions from the beginning. Yeah, I think if my kids were singing a song about a goat and being like, we serve Black Phillip, I'd be like, why? Where did you come up with that? Please stop. Stop it. Or I will give you away to another family. (laughs) It's I will the, sell you. It's that kind of time right now. Okay? <laughs> and they will not have a problem with it's that. It's the 1600s. Realize that. But the father then has to corral Black Philip back into the barn as the twins are terrorizing him. We start to see that Thomason gets treated like crap. 
by everyone in the family. She's trying to tell Mercy and Jonas to like cut it out, but the mom, you could definitely tell that she blames Thomason for losing Samuel. Don't give your newborn to your other child. Latinos do this to this day. They pop out, and I'm saying this from like personal experience, I'm not talking shit. Pop out their kids, but then they also have to go to work. So then the oldest, second oldest are the ones in charge of the younger kids. This mm. happens a lot. Now this is the 1600s with that added layer of wolves might take your children. There's no TV to distract the kids. No, even peekaboo is too dangerous. <laughs> so Kate's yelling at Thomason. Thomason is trying to do her job, but then isn't even allowed to do that. No pun intended, she is the scapegoat of this entire family. But to get rid of Thomason, she is sent to go wash the father's clothes. It's that super weird thing where you have to do everything for the man, so she literally has to help her dad get undressed like he's not an adult. Kate is also fighting William. She's like, well, where the hell were you and Caleb? Caleb creates this lie like, oh, it's just that I wanted to surprise you and I thought I had seen some apples. William's like half naked with a towel cutting wood and tells Caleb, hey, go get some water from the brook. Caleb goes to follow Thomason. We get another scene of him being a perv and looking down her shirt. Her reaction to that is odd though. Why I don't think staring? she thinks that he's doing that though. She thinks he's upset about having to lie to their mother because she's like, I have not seen an apple since we've left the plantation. So she's kind of comforting him. She's very mother-like to all of them. That's when Mercy shows up and is like, I am the witch of the woods and starts to tease Caleb and Thomason. Mercy's a fucking asshole. I saw you. You think Sam was taken by a wolf? No, it was a witch. I saw her. Black Phillip told me. And she's accusing her sister of being a witch the whole time she's having conversations with the goat. Right. Thomason's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I am a witch. I think Black Phillip has in some way told them Thomason's a witch he's trying to turn everyone against her so she then can become a witch but the second that she confirms it Mercy freaks out Caleb is not having a good time with this teasing at all well, he kind of yells at her, like, why are you teasing her? And she's like, it's just a joke. This is such an older sibling thing. <laughs> yeah, but you can't play like that this time because you could literally fart and they're like, you're a witch. Which is It was happens. a joke. It's, it's you're a witch. As Thomason is teasing Mercy, she's like, I gave Sam to my master. I can make you disappear too. I signed the book of the devil. So when Mercy leaves, Caleb's like, don't play like that. Thomason says, I don't need your pity. I don't need you to feel bad for me. Because everyone is either angry at her for losing Sam or feels bad for her because they know it wasn't her fault and their mother is not happy with her. The next thing we get is them at dinner. They're praying before dinner. Catherine is interrogating Thomason saying, where is my silver cup? After and a really awkward. Awkward long pause. Kate is staring at Thomason like, bitch, can you pass me the bread? But also, where's, where's my, my cup? cup? I hate when moms are like, where is this? And you're like, mom, I have not freaking seen it in forever and then she goes in your room and for some reason it's in your room and i was like someone did this it's a conspiracy <laughs> thomason's answering innocently like have you checked here have you checked there william's like she doesn't know where it is just leave it alone it's interesting that william still defends her he's prideful but i guess not prideful enough to not let his daughter get blamed for something he did yeah. but he kind of is because he doesn't right out say i took it don't look for it. Kate starts to say some real demanding shit like, did a wolf take my cup too, Thomason? What is amiss with this fam? I don't blame her, but also this is a very passive aggressive mom statement. <laughs> yeah. Because they're all fighting, William says, tomorrow we're fasting, but not because we ain't got stuff to eat. Oh no, not because of that, because we're sinful. While the family's fighting, they hear the sheep in the background are going crazy. Kate finds another reason to yell at Thomason and is uh -huh. like, did you not bed the sheep before we had supper? Thomason goes outside to find the sheep. She sees the demonic rabbit in the barn. So that's potentially why they're freaking out. The next scene we get is William and Kate getting ready for bed. Kate is basically saying that 
this family has been cursed ever since they were forced to leave the plantation. She is blaming William for a lot of what happened to them. But then she also mentions that Thomason is getting way too old to live with them and that it's time to send her to be of use to another family. She's saying all these things. This house is not that big. They literally sleep behind like a curtain from where the kids are. She turns and is like, Thomason, Caleb. Mercy, Jonas, you asleep? Thomason? Like they're going to answer, right? Caleb, you asleep? And then she turns around and is like, fuck you, William. I fucking hate you. Like, yo, if they weren't sleeping, they're not sleeping now. They're definitely not going to answer just to hear the rest <laughs> of what they're not supposed to hear. But the kids are definitely all awake, all of them. All listening. This conversation then leads Caleb to feel like he has to resolve the family's problems. He wakes up the next day with a plan to go hunt in the woods by himself. However, Thomason catches him and says that if... He doesn't take her with him. She's going to tell the parents right now. I thought what Caleb was doing was, I got to weigh Thomason so that you don't go back to the plantation tomorrow. I'm going to go tell this horse to go fuck off somewhere, and then they have no way to get back. (laughs) Which kind of is what he did in an accidental sort of way. But the kids decide to head out and try and hunt. Caleb and Thomason have found animals in the traps. In that moment, the hare comes out. Caleb runs after with Fowler. Thomason stays back and is yelling at Caleb to stay. The horse... Kicks her off, and she gets knocked out. All because of a demonic rabbit. Caleb is either in a trance or something. He finds Fowler dead and ends up chasing the hare to a what seems like a hut in the middle of the forest. Meanwhile, Thomason has woken up. She hears their father in the woods calling only Caleb's name, I would add, and runs to him. Maybe they didn't notice Thomason was gone. They call her name a couple times, but... The father, towards the end, just keeps saying Caleb's name. Like, he's the only one he's searching for, really. Well, at the time, you have to imagine that dad was probably more worried about the son since he's supposed to grow up and help him. Exactly. It just goes, again, to show you how Thomason is regarded within this family. We do see Caleb approach this hut and a beautiful red-hooded lady. Very much Bellatrix Lestrange vibes. I got Red Riding Hood vibes. Yes, Bellatrix Lestrange meets Red Riding Hood. She comes out, seduces Caleb, but Caleb looks like... A weird thing to say about a child, but... It is. He almost seems hesitant or reluctant to be into her because he's sort of like crying and looks like he's like, no, I don't want to, but also I want to. It's a bewitched moment. She goes to kiss him. It looks like she's sucking his soul out of his body. Her hand then cups the back of his head and it's an old witch hand. You think Caleb's gone. You do. I also was wondering if this witch is the same one throughout or if there are multiple witches doing this. Because I was wondering if you were left to interpret that rubbing the infant entrails makes her young but she needs more children, or am I going off Hocus Pocus rules here? (laughs) I think until the end is revealed, you're supposed to understand that there's just one. What purpose would the entire coven have to torment this family? Well, if they need children for their rituals, that's one. At this time, wasn't it believed that all Satan wanted was numbers and to recruit as many people as possible? If it was the entire coven that was attacking this family, then why not just have the whole coven come out and just make it Be done with it. I think it is about slowly seducing Thomason to become one of them. Immediately after we get Kate just trashing Thomason for also losing Caleb. William is like, look, man, I don't know what happened, but we'll take her back to the plantation, but I'll take her tomorrow. It's raining. This whole time it's starting to storm outside. William says he's going in the morning, but then also seems like he's trying to leave now. And William's like, a soldier cup, by the way. (laughs) Now's the time. You're fully pissed. You can't get more pissed. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah. That's when Kate confronts him outside and is like, you damned us all. He told her because she kept interrogating Thomason and she was just looking at her father like... 
Tell the truth because we're literally covering up for your secrets. After the confrontation that they have where Catherine slaps him, the next scene is all of them inside the home. It seems warm. Thomason looks like she's helping her dad. I'm guessing Kate slapped him so hard he started to bleed. Thomason, trying to keep the peace a little bit, decides that she's going to go put the sheep to sleep. You know, go do a chore to cheer up your parents. (laughs) While she's out there, she hears a strange sound and finds... Caleb hanging by the barn post naked in the rain. And that's when she starts screaming for help. They're tending to him because he's clearly sick. They put a bowl by his temple and they slice it. I'm assuming this is some technique that they used to do back then to think maybe bleeding you just like with leeches would make the sickness go away. I think it's called bloodletting. The idea is that you make a cut and only the bad blood that's making you ill comes out. Amazing. Logic. Love it. You're not suffering enough. Let me open a cut on the side of your friggin' head. They're tending to Caleb with the blood bowl. They tell the kids to leave because they're like being chaotic. Thomason is milking the goat. The kids are still taunting her. She gets spooked because blood starts to come from the udders of the goat. Meanwhile, Kate and William are still talking over Caleb. Kate is like, there was that family that had that kid and it turned out that it was some Indian magic. And William's like, look, I didn't raise a witch in my house. He's just sick. This is the point where he finally agrees to go back to the plantation, but he states that he will not go back as a beggar. He wants to collect as many crops as possible, take them with, and he's also going to take Thomason to sell her to a family there. If they're banished, what does it really mean if he's still saying, I can go back to the plantation, find a doctor for Caleb, take Thomason back to a family? Like, are you banished or you're not? So I think their banishment is not typical because he was threatened with being banished by the government, and he was kind of like, I'd rather be banished than do whatever you say. Like, it's almost like self-imposed. Because I do believe if he went back and was like, I was a fool, I was wrong, they would love that. And you would come back into the town as, like, humbled by God, as you're supposed to be. But he's not willing to do that, even with his children being sick. She's like, you can't go all the way back without a horse. And he's like, I'll figure it out. Kate's like, look... I had this dream one time, okay? Jesus, I felt love like no other love I've ever felt before. Not even that any great husband, William, could ever give me, okay? It's a very interesting (laughs) speech to give in the middle of all this. (laughs) And William's like, well, you'll have enough of it in heaven, okay? (laughs) Bye. It's basically her saying that she has not felt that close to God, she has lost her faith ever since Sam has disappeared and that she does not feel God around them. Caleb starts screaming. He's screaming almost like his insides are burning and starts to recite a lot of godly speak. I was like, is he talking about Satan or God? I believe when he starts off, he is saying Satan because he's talking about how it disguises itself as a crow. There is a point where his jaw locks William and Kate freak out. Kate tells William to pry it open without breaking his jaw and what rolls out of his mouth is an apple. Now, an apple is super symbolic in religion. Mm -hmm. Not only did Caleb lie about going to find apples in the woods, apple is the fruit of temptation. He was tempted by his sister and the witch in the woods. Them seeing that is confirmation that they are definitely bewitched. The kids start to blame Thomason and are yelling and chanting in front of the family that Thomason is the witch. William starts to say like, no, I'm going to test you. He puts her on her knees and is like, do you believe in the word of God? Do you read the Bible? Do you pray? She's like, I'm not a witch. Kate doesn't believe any of this, but William's like, if she is 
of which she can't say that she knows the word of God. Let's stop all this. Let's turn to prayer and help Caleb. The kids start to say that they can't remember their prayers, which is a thing when you can't remember your prayers, that means there's a witch among you or mm -hmm. the devil is present. The worst kids ever. Because you don't even know if they're actually truly being affected or if they're just assholes. They start to mimic Caleb and are also in supposed pain. To the point where they then reach a catatonic state where they're just passed out in the corner. However, Kate, Will, and Thomason continue their prayer. Caleb appears to reach this point of almost ecstasy and relief. It seems that he is dying and sees Jesus and is relieved. You know, his biggest concern was his brother going to hell for being unbaptized. So for him to be embraced by God, I think is literally what he says towards the end. He's relieved. However, he does lay back down and he has passed away. So is this an act? Is this real? Is the witch doing this? Or is this, I want to die like this by chanting a lot of stuff. You don't know if one, the devil is making him see that, making him believe what he wants, or because Caleb turned to prayer in the last few minutes of his death, is welcomed by the embrace of God. I feel like it's a very open to interpretation scene. Right. Catherine is immediately upset, understandably. Kate yells at Thomason, you did this, you're a witch. Thomason leaves. William chases after Thomason and is like, look, dude, I know you're my daughter, but truly, like, if you are a witch, you need to tell me. Tell me the truth. Thomason's like, father, you need to believe me. I'm not a witch. If you don't tell me today and tell me the truth, I have to go to somebody tomorrow to figure out what to do with you. And Thomason's like, please stop. Thomason then decides that she's gonna go full savage because she's like, you want the fucking truth? And roast her father. The truth is, you can't hunt, you can't provide. We're in this fucked up mess because of you. All you know how to do is cut wood. And he did not like this. No, he's like wrestling her. She's like, why don't you go and harass Mercy and Jonas? They're the ones who are always whispering about talking to Black Philip. They always say that Satan comes in the form of a beast with horns. Don't you think that's a little suspicious? A little sus what your kids are doing? <laughs> yeah. William's like, oh fuck, I didn't even think Think of that. Thanks. And then runs in and throws Thomason and is like, tell your mother what you just told me. It makes sense. She repeats again that the twins have just been whispering to Black Philip. I think it's so funny. William does this typical dad thing of threatening the kids, but like not really meaning it because the kids get scared. They get scared so much they wake up from their <laughs> catatonic <laughs> quote unquote. It implies that they're faking it. It's like when you pretend to be asleep to avoid trouble and mm. your dad calls you out on it. William comes in and grabs Jonas and he's like, I will kill him the same way that Abraham killed his own seed and he shakes the crap out of Jonas and Jonas is like, oh my God, please stop. And he's screaming like, yeah, you're born asleep, kid. Yeah. And this is the scene that makes you wonder if the kids are faking it or they really do have some kind of connection to... They do because they whisper to him. Mm. But I don't think they are under the same kind of trance Caleb went through. Just they're naive they're enough that just whispering to them is enough to corrupt them, I think. Then the father is like, I've had it with all these allegations and locks all three of them in the barn with Black Phillip. <laughs> I feel like this is the equivalent of when they catch you smoking and make you smoke the whole pack in front of them. <laughs> they're going to throw you in there <laughs> with the demon. <laughs> I think Thomason's also on the front of like, so, hey, guys, like, true. Truthfully, though, we all locked in the shed. Were you guys messing with me or do you guys really talk to Black Phillip? They answer her question with the question, did you do that to Caleb? Did you sign your name in the black book? We don't get answers from either of them. The next scene we get is Catherine and William burying Caleb. It's a sad scene because Catherine then jumps in the grave as well and just looks up at William like, bury me here. And then we get another angry William cutting wood <laughs> Hollywood trope. Because like Jesus, for some reason, he needs to have six pack abs. <laughs> so I think this part is sort of an allusion to religion where 
it's kind of like Hetzimani, where Jesus asked for repentance from God before he was crucified because he's kind of like, is this truly what you want? If this is really what your plan is, let it be, but also let it be known that I feel like shit. William starts to say, truly, this is my fault. My family is damned. Redeem my children. If you have to, just damn me. Don't damn my family. Which again, he's not a terrible father. And it's just at this point where he's now lost two children that he can admit that his pride was part of the reason they're here. That's a lot. If it takes two (laughs) dead kids for you to be like, yeah, maybe I fucked up. We then cut to Catherine, who appears to have completely lost it at this point. She hallucinates that she sees Caleb and Sam brought back to her. The silver cup's in the background. Is it meant to be a, like, allusion to the Holy Grail or something? If you're listening and you hate this theory, let me know. You know, they say, like, silver keeps away a lot of, like, bad energy. What if having gotten rid of the silver cup damned the family from the get-go? Even more. Oh, it's possible. It's in a lot of folklore. What they needed was garlic and spices. <laughs> They're witches, not vampires. That's true. I'm still thinking. <laughs> of vampires versus a bra. Yeah. Kate's hallucinating. Caleb is whispering in the same way that later we see Satan talks to Thomason. So it is very obvious here that this is not a holy hallucination. It is a hallucination brought on by the devil. While Caleb hands her little Sam, she's very distracted by the baby. He also says, mother, come look at this book with me. And she's like, in a second, the baby is hungry. It is at this point that I believe the devil was honestly just trying to get either the mother or Thomason and thinking that the mother was most vulnerable with the loss of her children, she would have been an easier target. But she was so overcome with grief, he wasn't able to complete the ritual with her. It's a really creepy scene. The kids are in the shed. They see this figure in the shadows that it seems to be eating something. And it turns and it's a witch. She's laughing. And in that same moment, it flashes back to Kate, who is breastfeeding Sam, is getting her chest eaten out by a crow. Who Caleb has already mentioned is one of the vessels for Satan, a crow. We don't know what happens after this. No, because the next morning, you thought Kate was dead. I thought Kate was dying. William gets up, walks away. Kate opens her eyes creepily. William walks out. He turns around and looks at this exploded shed with Thomason just passed out and goats half destroyed laying across the lawn. And the twins missing. Thomason gets up. William is like, what the hell happened here? Immediately gets tackled by Black Phillip. Just out of nowhere. You're just caught off guard in a jump scare because Black Phillip just impales him. He does. He is completely bloodied from that first ramming into the chest. Black Phillip charges at him again and slams him into the pile of wood that he's been cutting the entire movie. I thought it was ironic. It kind of is poetic, especially since Thomason says that the only thing he's good at is cutting wood. It's just another jab at his pride that the only thing that he was good at can result in his death. He doesn't Um, even fight him, though. He drops the axe and just lets Black Phillip kill him. I think William has this impression that if this is really his fault, then let it kill me, but save my family. Which is not what ends up happening. Sorry, Will. Now that William's dead, I did think for a second that possibly the twins were one of the dead bodies kind of hanging around, but you'd never see the twins again. You do not. And I think it's implied that the witch has taken them in the night. Maybe they used these kids for another ritual. Or that's what they were like dancing around the fire for. They got these other kids. The two children. Catherine has come out sees her husband dead and her other two children missing. And then there's just Thomason, who she has blamed for everything that's going on from the beginning. I think there's also an interesting detail here where you've never seen Catherine's hair. No. And it's not until the end here. One could be that she was tempted by the devil or just goes to show how much she has lost control of herself either way. At this point, I just don't think she cares about any of the- Yeah, she's unhinged. The intricacies of what they believe Modesty. In. You've done this. I don't care. I'm going to kill you. She 
charges at Thomas and blaming her for everything. It's very interesting that her blaming her of things, it's all tied to being a slut, saying she tempted everyone. Again, just to show you the fear of women and them maturing and potentially growing into their own power. The mother also fears that in Thomason. It's so sad because when she finally attacks Thomason and is trying to choke her, you're thinking this is a mother and a daughter. Yeah. And Thomason's like, I love you. I love you. Like, I why are you, you doing this? Yeah. And it's so sad. Obviously, in self-defense, Thomason reaches out and finds it's like a sickle and she kind of just slashes at her mom's face. Doesn't go for the kill. This is when Kate just goes even more blood hungry and Thomason finally just stabs at her until she passes out. She had to kill her in self-defense, essentially. Mm -hmm. And this is the turning point in the film because Thomason up until this point has not done a lot of the things that her family has accused her of but now she has killed now she has actually sinned and it's kind of an eerie scene after this where she realizes what she's done she walks around the farm aimlessly enters the home strips herself of the bloody clothes and just lays her head down on the table to rest until the nighttime and you gather that she's had time to think about what's going on the next scene we get is her walking back to the barn and demanding that Black Phillip speak to her the way that he spoke to Mercy and Jonas. I would too. would be like, did you do this? She almost wants it to be true because of everything they've gone through. I think I would too. Like, <laughs> it'd be worth something if it was actually the devil doing this. Honestly, if it was just the family just went crazy and killed themselves and it was the stress of we're banished, we don't have all the things that we used to have. Earlier in the film, Caleb and Thomason are talking about what it was like to have windows. Caleb's like, no, I don't remember anything thomason's the one that mostly feels like we shouldn't have left maybe we should have just stayed where we were and this wouldn't have happened thomason and Catherine, because at the point where caleb's sick Catherine's like i want to go home and william's like we're going to the plantation she's like no i want to go to england where we had a life not till you banished us here. Yeah, it sucks. Philip needs to talk because this all had to have been for something. If it was for nothing, then it's just even more depressing. As she's asking to speak to her, he says nothing and defeated almost. She starts to turn away. And that is when, in a very whispery Bold voice, word. he's like, what do you want? And she's like, what can you give? This is potentially one of my favorite horror movie lines ever, where he then tells her, do you want butter? Because it's a luxury, apparently. Do you want a pretty dress? Do you want a pretty dress? You know, things that are denied to her up until this point. And my favorite line, which is, does thou want to live deliciously? I want that on a t-shirt. I want that <laughs> on a sign above our door. It's my favorite thing. And all she said is, yes. Because at this point, what the fuck does she have to lose? Everything. Because if this hadn't happened, she'd have died out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's a <laughs> much better option. What I love about this scene, too, is that it does not show you the devil. It is focused completely on Thomason's face. Again, her hair has also been disheveled. And I think that goes towards the thing of breaking we are forgetting free. modesty and, and we're breaking free. We don't see the full form of the devil, but we do see a gloved hand to grab her shoulders. I saw somewhere that people were saying he's dressed like a pirate. I was like, I just saw hands. I and see the rest of I think you do kind of see him in the back. He's not dressed as a pirate. I think he's just <laughs> dressed as like a wealthy merchant of the time because he's got the shiny hat and buckle and those types of clothes. <laughs> I'm thinking very specifically of Pocahontas where the villain is dressed like super bougie. Uh, <laughs> like I imagine the devil would be dressed like that. Tubby in purple? No, in black. <laughs> in black and red. But I saw that Robert Eggers had purposely left the image of the devil to the viewer's discretion just because 
because he thinks that there's an issue when film tries to portray these otherworldly beings like God and Satan. When she enters the room, you don't even see Black Philip the goat. No. You don't know what she's looking it's at. It's focused on her. And I think that's also why I really like the end of the movie. It's been about her. It's not so much if Black Philip was like really there. It was just how the family had feared her and feared her potential power up until this point. The way the movie starts, it's very, like we said, blue, gray, very dim lighting. And at the end, we see Thomason with light, Red. With warmth and happiness. I think this final detail is important because he says, do you see that book there? Sign your name. And she just says, I can't write my name. And I think it's another like final nail in the coffin of how much you're not in control of yourself during this time period being a woman. Like they don't even teach you to read or write. And it's almost like the devil's given her autonomy over herself because he's like, I will guide you. These kinds of things are what people are always fighting about online where media romanticizes the devil and makes the devil entire it's like the reason Lucifer, the show, is hated by a lot of different organizations because they're like, it makes the devil seem sexy and like better than God. But isn't that also <laughs> like a, a theme in the Bible? The point is that the devil is tempting. <laughs> in this film, at least, we don't get a catch at all. And the right? catch like, is that she lost her entire family, but they were assholes to her in the first place. Right. So did she really lose anything? He instructs Thomason to remove her frock or clothing. We get the scene of her walking naked through the woods, illuminated by moonlight. And she approaches a huge bonfire in the woods. And we start to hear this chanting of women and the music is going. The devil has returned to his form as Black Philip. He walks her to the scene and is right next to her as she is taking in the scene of the women chanting. She's entranced, but she looks almost excited. She doesn't know what's going on exactly. As the chanting reaches its highest point, the women start to float holding sticks. Thomason is amazed at the fact that the women can fly, starts to look down and embrace that she's here and happily and smilingly starts to float herself and revel in the fact that now she's got this power and freedom. My favorite thing about this is that the chanting has died down almost because she is laughing hysterically with joy to the final scene where she has floated right above this tree in a position that almost looks like Jesus crucified. That is the last scene we get and it cuts to black. And then we get the final title card. This film. film was inspired by many folk tales, fairy tales, and written accounts of historical witchcraft, including journals, diaries, and court records. Imagine those court records. Like, and then they convulsed and obviously were witch. And then John said that his daughter could read, so obviously she's, she's a, a witch. She's a fucking witch. I really like this movie, but I said that at the beginning. So do I. I think it's really cool empowerment film for women. I mean, I'm a guy, so honestly, that means nothing for me. But <laughs> this time is really harsh on the way women are portrayed in film. So seeing her get the happy ending to an extent was really cool. Yeah, again, I would categorize this as a good for her genre film. There's so many witchcraft films where the women just end up being wrongfully accused and then dying or being killed by the government entity at the time. At least with this one, she's like, I'm going to be the thing that they are accusing me of being. I might as well. And it's empowering to her. Yeah, unlike Fear Street where... She's like, I'm going to just let them kill me and say that I am a witch yeah. and not get revenge. Yeah, it's just a martyr story. I think a lot of them are women martyrs. And it's cool to see like, hell no, I'm going to live deliciously, <laughs> like this dude said. It's not something that I would call scary in the traditional sense. It's no like jump scares. It's not even like super gory. It's just a really good story. Once you get into the accent, I'm going to give it an eight. Point five. I was going to give it 8.5. I hate agreeing with you, though. <laughs> give it a 9. <laughs> Fine, I'll, I'll do 9. 
I'll do nine because I really do enjoy this movie. Do you want to talk about what scared Loki? He wasn't scared by anything, but he did get perked up by the whispers at the end. I think he was a little bit enticed by living deliciously. The chanting. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I think we need our own Black Phillip in this house. He doesn't even get along with Elvira yet, so no. he needs to chill. Do you want to tell us about it, Loki? That didn't sound like Loki's voice. I'd say he might have gotten what he was looking for. So we need to figure out how to take care of that after we get off this recording. Or did you summon him? I did. I would like butter and pretty dresses. Thank you. The fact that butter is like the first thing. I know. It's like, <laughs> do you want butter? Hell yeah, bitch. Oh. <laughs> Fucking starving. <laughs> you don't get bread though. It's just loaves it's of just butter. butter. She's like, not a problem. Bring it on. <laughs> anyway, if you want to go see Loki with butter. Oh yeah, we made a TikTok about it. But I, I think the sound got taken off, didn't oh, it? Oh, butter dog is gone? I think so. Oh. No. Philip, you're going to have to do something better to get Butter Dog happy again and live deliciously. Yeah. Is that pretty much it for us here today? Yeah. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakennotscaredpod at gmail.com. You can support the show on Patreon. We'll name our next drink after you with mentions on our website where the drink page will live forever. You can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Stitcher, a bunch of others. Give us a listen. Give us a follow. Now that the holidays are on the corner, you're probably going to find more gingerbread dog treats, but I don't even know if they can eat ginger. I don't know. Figure it out. But send them something nice and holiday-ish. Give them a present. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.